Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 154. And there's a lot of things that we want to talk about before we actually get the interview started. So last week, we did take the week off. And it was something that we had wanted to do for a while. But being podcasters, we weren't really sure if we could or how it would work or, you know, how just the logistics would be. And once we made the decision to take the week off, it was a really nice kind of freeing feeling just to have that mental reset because really we hadn't given ourselves that since we started the podcast back in August of last year. So it was nice to just take a week off and just kind of refocus and think about, you know, where we want the podcast to go without the worry of social media or, you know, getting our content out there. And we really appreciate um, the support that we had or the messages that we were sent um, telling us or just encouraging us that that was an okay thing for us to do because we were nervous about it since it was new. So thanks for allowing us to do that. And we're happy to be back. Yeah, it was just really nice to be able to step back and get things from a different perspective for a few minutes. And I think it helped rejuvenate kind of the spirit of what we want the show to be. Not that we strayed from it, but I just feel a deeper connection to it after being away from it for a week and, you know, refocusing on us instead of, you know, worrying about any sort of outside pressure or anything like that. So, yeah, it was really great. Glad you guys are back with us to join us for this episode. Before we get into the interview, which is actually going to be an interview of me, which is we'll talk about that in a second. I just wanted to talk about kind of some of our findings from last week. So I've never talked about this on the show, but I've kind of always viewed Detour, you know, it's constantly evolving and, you know, I kind of view phase one is when I first started when it was just me and I was doing the interviews. First, I dropped them three times a week. Then I scaled back to two times a week and it was all interview based episodes. Then I kind of view it as phase two, which is when Catherine joined and we were still doing two interviews per week and then we did phase three where we transitioned which is just the last phase where we were doing one interview and then these two separate episodes per week and I think we're ready to take it to phase four (laughs) and it's not that anything has been a failure it's just kind of continue to carve it out and continue to figure out what works for us what's best for you as the listener like what's the most value and entertaining episodes that we can make and and how can we carve that out so in my mind here's where we're going to transition and it won't probably be too drastic of a change we're still going to do interviews every single monday episode we're coining those as the learn episodes on wednesdays we'll be doing launch episodes or grow if you're already an existing project But there we're focusing on practical information. You know, here are strategies that you can implement into your project. Here are data-driven research that we're able to share with you guys 
and hopefully have action items for you to take out and feel like you're better equipped to grow or launch your project. And then on Friday will be our Inspire episodes. That's where we're dealing with the mental side of this. Since we're over a year into this, I am more and more convinced that the mental side of this is 95% of it. No, and I think that's really valuable, and actually we'll get more into that in next Monday's episode, so you should definitely tune in to that um, as well because we do talk a lot about just like the mental game and, you know, how that plays into it, but I totally agree. I mean, I think that's a big part of any project that you start because there's a lot going on and there can be a lot of stress or a lot of outside pressure, so we'll talk about that, and I think... Kind of with, you know, the Wednesday episodes, it'll be a well-rounded way to approach your project. Yeah. So I know some of you as listeners, I think everybody enjoys the interviews, hearing other people's stories, seeing what you can, you know, learn from their failures and their successes. And, you know, just hearing those stories, I think, is so valuable. And then I think do people do fall kind of more on one side or the other, whether you want kind of the strategy and the logic side of it, or if you want the inspiration and the mental side and the emotional side of it. So I think this is a good way where we can attack both of those each week. I hope that you'll tune in for all three, but maybe one resonates with you more, or maybe it changes over time, just depending on where you're at with your project. So I'm really excited for this. I think it's, it's a more clear vision and it will allow us to kind of play on both sides of that line because sometimes we do get too heavy on one side or the other. Yeah, I agree. So this will be a nice balance. So we'll lead that into today's episode, and Brendan kind of stole my thunder here because I am the host today, and I'm interviewing Brendan. So if you have been a longtime listener or if you even listened to that very, very first episode that Brendan dropped, um, of course, he kind of introduces himself and he explains, you know, why he's starting Detour to Neverland in this podcast. But that's been 153 episodes ago and a lot has changed. And as we've kind of evolved and looked at new projects, Um, We came up with this idea last Monday, which was actually Brendan's birthday, that we thought it would be fun to interview him. So this will be a a deeper look into the mind of Brendan, I guess. We'll see. Well, that's that's not a lot of pressure. (laughs) So it's exciting. Um, So basically, Brendan, we'll start it off. Introduce yourself and give us a fun fact that our listeners may not know from social media. Oh, I didn't know that it was going to be the fun fact thing as well. Well, we make everyone else do it. So I'm Brendan. I'm one of the hosts of Detour to Neverland. In my normal day job, I started out in healthcare management. I've now transitioned more into software development, which has been a path that I never thought I would end up with. And a fact that people may not know about me from social media, I used to really take gaming very seriously, like online gaming. So I'd play a lot of Call of Duty, a lot of Halo back in the day, (laughs) but really my game was the NHL insert year games. At one point... 
I I didn't want to admit this. At one point, I was the number one ranked player in the state of Tennessee for NHL. That's that is an interesting fact. I did not even know that. And yep. we've been together for 10 years, so you've kept that one bottled up for a long time. Hours and hours of gameplay went into that. How? That is, I don't even, I'm speechless. That's a lot of determination, I guess. I don't play games too much anymore, though. No, you don't. We did, We since we're children, we did buy ourselves a Switch so we could play Mario Kart, and I enjoy that. Yeah, but. so that's my random fact. I was, at one point... I'd say a pretty decent <laughs> NHL online player. Alrighty. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, so we're not necessarily going to get into your Disney background, but something that I do think is interesting is how you came up with the name for Detour to Neverland. So where did that come from? Yeah, so I've mentioned a couple of times that we – spent a lot of time, you know, I I say we're almost serial ideal idea people for, you know, businesses and projects and things like that. And we had run through a couple of different ideas of how we could fill this void of a Disney project. I think we both identified that we wanted to do something deeper with Disney. And, you know, we launched a couple of websites, we tried to write a couple of blogs, and nothing was really sustainable and for me the kind of the backing was always that I wanted an escape from kind of my normal career my normal day-to-day life and and Disney was that escape for me so I kind of just went I was going down some career paths and we decided to make some changes together and and I appreciate you allowing me to make those changes and it was kind of like well, I'm, I'm, I'm straying off the path. I'm taking a detour. Well, where am I taking a detour to? And Peter Pan has always been my favorite movie. So it's like, well, I'm taking a detour to Neverland. And we actually had, I had that name for a long time before we even knew that we wanted to do a podcast. Um, I bought the domain name pretty early on because I knew I was going to do something with it eventually. Um, but then it just took a while for the idea to come to us that, all right, let's turn this into a podcast. I think we originally wanted it to be a blog, and then we just transitioned it, reformatted it exactly how we wanted it, and it just kind of stuck. But I, our previous project was named Mouse Ear Exchange, which I do not like that name anymore. <laughs> it, yeah, it seemed like a clever name at the time, but, but not so much. No, not so much anymore. So... When I thought of Detour, it kind of just got the wheels turning like, all right, I have this perfect name. What can I match with it? Which I think is pretty backwards from how you typically name something. Normally, you come up with the idea, then you name it on the back end. I almost had a name that I was trying to fit some sort of content to. Yeah, that's true. And I like that. I don't think I had ever really put those pieces together with maybe how that name came together as far as like how it related to what you were going through. So I like that. I think it's something that probably a lot of other people can relate to too as they are looking for maybe a creative outlet or a new venture that they can take. And this was just our way to escape reality sometimes, immerse ourselves in Disney. 
Yeah. Yeah. So the second question that I have for you is over this evolution of starting the podcast, what is it exactly that made you take me on as a co-host? Like what was it that triggered in your brain to say, this seems like a good idea? Well, I think it was just that you were always my sounding board for everything. I mean, I'd, there's a deeper there's a deeper psychological issue to this is that I always need approval to make a decision and I always come to you to do those things. I'm working on doing that more of of you know making decisions on my own. But it was sort of like early on, every single time, like, hey, should I reach out to this person for an interview? Or, hey, can you look over these questions before I do the interview? And eventually you were up to speed so much with everything that was going on with Detour that to me it just made sense that, all right, I can get a second pair of eyes on everything. I can get a another perspective on everything. And you think about things much differently for me just because you don't have kind of the business background that I do. So I thought it was not that that's wrong or, or anything. It was just a different perspective that I felt like would fill some gaps that I wasn't able to have. Truthfully, it's also a little bit of a, you know, uh, there were some interviews early on where I was really struggling to keep up with the guests. And it, it gave me a, a comfort level to be able to have someone else that, you know, if they say something and I, I can't think, we're both internal thinkers. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, if I can't think of something to say, there's a good chance that you have had some, you'll have something prepared. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work all the time. We do have to cut out some pauses or things where we think about what we're going to say. We try to keep it as natural as possible, but I think it's kind of twofold that, A, you knew everything about the project and you had, and you were contributing really great ideas and then just having another person to, to help and, and to gain a new perspective. And then when I did interview you once, I don't remember what that episode number was. It was a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know either. But when I interviewed you. I just saw a certain level of comfort that you had with it. And honestly, it surprised me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it surprised you as well. I didn't expect you to like it as much as you did. So I was like, well, I, like, let's explore this. Let's see what happens. Maybe you only last for 10 episodes. Maybe you last, maybe you do it longer than I do. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that's something worth exploring. Yeah. So what would be your advice to someone who is maybe considering taking on a partner or they have someone in mind that they think might be a good fit for their project as, you know, like you said, a sounding board or just like an extra pair of hands? Um, Like what would your advice to that person be? I think you just have to set your expectations very clearly up front. And I say that because I don't think we did. Yeah, I was going to say, there is definitely something to learn from that. Just having an open line of communication, and it seems silly because we're married and we live together and do everything together, but it is important that you know what is expected of you and what the other person is expecting from you as well, so that there aren't any situations where it's like, well, I thought you were going to do this, or I, you know, 
I need help and you're not helping. And then it's, you know, there's tension there. Yeah. I mean, so I think a good example for both of us and just how, how our minds work is what I mentioned before. We both seek approval for any decisions that we make. We feel like we are in uncharted territory if we make a decision without consulting the other person. And so that was a really point of tension. That was a point of tension for us early on, I think, because we were both just sort of waiting on the other person constantly. And that just leads to frustration. It leads to tension and everything like that. I think once we reached the point where we said, okay, you own this. Like, I, I have confidence that the finished product will be what we need. Like, I trust your judgment and all the thought that goes into it. I think that's where it really freed us up for us both to just contribute the way that we want to contribute instead of contributing to try to please the other person, which I think is a slippery slope. Because mm-hmm. I'm not making this podcast for you. Yeah. I'm making it for me, but also the listeners. Yeah. You know, so I, I just think those sort of expectations and understanding of, all right, what do I own? What does this other person own? And do I trust them to make those decisions? Or is it something where we need to consult each other to get on the same page? Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I think, you know, there is, like you said in that last part, you know, there are things that you might always want to consult with someone else. But I'm a big believer in like task delegation. I think that's really the only way that anyone can get anything done. So I think by taking on a partner, you know, that could definitely help with that. Even if, you know, it is just you need a partner or someone to help you with shipping labels or packaging or whatever, but you still need to have that level of trust where you know that they're doing the right thing because if you just hover over them, then you're not actually getting anything done. So that's good. So I did want to talk a little bit about our IGTV because that is something that we've recently started and it's different for us. It's kind of Since it's video, it's out of our comfort zone for sure. Um, But why do you think it's important for us to do that, and what do you enjoy about it? Well, I think first and foremost, it's a challenge for us. It's something that, like, it's, it's not a typical thing that we would do to record a video and to talk about movies where, honestly, I've never really critically thought about movies before. I've never really thought about what's the lesson to be learned from here or, you know, how can I apply this to my everyday life? I've kind of been in a very passive relationship with movies. And I think because we started visiting the parks more and more often over the last couple of years, it's almost like an itch that I can't scratch enough. And I think the movies fill a little bit of that void where you wish you were in the parks to get some inspiration or to get some clarity or just to, you know, let go of the real world and real responsibilities. And movies are, the Disney movies are kind of the next best thing for that for me. So sitting down and critically thinking about those, I think, again, it's something that's for us. It's really helpful, I think, for me. If I'm having a tough week, I can think back on, Moana, you know, as silly as it sounds, you know, you can think about those lessons and and things that you can apply. And just talking through those things has been 
a joy for me. It does still make me nervous whenever we record those videos each week. It's not something that I feel like completely natural with. We do it in one take because I want to do minimal editing. and Which usually leads to multiple takes. We never really do it in the first one. Yeah, but yeah, that is true. I think that's just good to throw out there. Yeah, I mean, we mess up quite a few times <laughs> or we don't like what we said, so we redo it. But for me, that's better than trying to take it into an editing software and trying to put together something. That just adds an extra level of stress that I'm not willing to take on at this point in time. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, so they're just something silly little that we're able to do. I don't think it's kind of like the the next big thing that'll, you know, gain us huge exposure. I just think it's something that it's fun to throw out there. It seems like we get pretty good conversations that spur off from it from, from other people. Um, but again, it's, you throw it out into the internet and you see what happens with it. Yeah. That's kind of our motto for everything. It seems. So kind of sticking with, you know, just us taking a break last week, um, we have our days where we not necessarily struggle to work on the podcast, but obviously with just life in general, there are some days where, you know, we don't have that motivation or we don't get the engagement that we wanted or the listens are down and it can be somewhat defeating. You know, you put all of your time and effort into something and it's not received the way that you want it to be. So if someone else has a day like that or maybe a week or a month like that where things just don't seem to be going their way, um, what helps motivate you when things like that happen or what keeps you going? Yeah, so it's something that I think we've talked about a little bit in the past. But for me, I always draw back on that chapter in my life where I was in a corporate career path and I was a shell of myself. And I and I hope that doesn't sound too dramatic, but I was I I was just not cut out for that type of life. And to me, I draw back on that experience and know that there's other people who are not cut out for that type of life, for a corporate career style, nine to five, you know, five vacation days a year. If the boss asks you to stay late, you stay late. No questions asked. You cancel whatever plans you had. And I know there's other people that that are wired that same way as me. And most people in that situation have some sort of escape. For me, that's always been Disney. And so I just know that there's other people out there, that it's Disney for them as well. So that's kind of my motivation is that, you know, that next episode could be the little bit of motivation or the little bit of knowledge that the next person needs to take the control back of their life and and carve out the path that they want instead of just, you know, following a path that you think is expected of you or is, you know, laid out before you, even if it means giving up money or, I mean, that's the main thing. Yeah, it, and, it, and it does, and it has for us, but 
it's definitely that that weighing of you know what is important and what helps you and makes you the happiest is kind of what we always go back to I feel like but I like that I think it's really important to have a motivation or like an underlying reason why you're doing it um even if it is just for your mental escape or for your creative outlet and it's something that you enjoy I think it is important that you hold on to that and like for us last week you know there are going to be times when it is maybe just a little overwhelming or you do just need that mental rest and I think like with social media and like the pressure to be on all the time I think it's okay sometimes to allow yourself that break when you really just need that break yeah well and I think back also sometimes like you I think you have to draw from the connections that you've been able to make mm-hmm. like a point of frustration for me a lot of times is when my message isn't conveyed clearly and that's on me like it's easy to put the blame on someone else like no you didn't understand that correctly it's on me for not explaining it the way that I meant to like you have to take accountability for that but that's always been a big point of frustration for me is that I'm not able to convey the idea in my head to the words coming out of my mouth or the the text that I'm typing on a screen that's always been a point of frustration for me and that's when I you know get frustrated and you have to take a deep break a a deep breath and think about okay 90% of the people got what I was trying to say why did these 10% people not understand it and how can I help them understand kind of what's the point here what's what's our goal here instead of you know, does that make sense? No, I think that does make sense. And that's kind of leading me into my next couple of questions. So like a lot of people would say, do you want the good or the bad first? Bad. All right. So, and it, it kind of goes with maybe what you were just saying, but throughout your dur- your journey so far with Detour, what has been your biggest challenge? I think it's just the mental side of it. Like I I kind of let things compound on top of me where I let one bad thing turn into 10 bad things in a matter, in a very short time span. And that's kind of always been my issue that I let things snowball instead of just addressing issues one by one, resolving them, moving forward, learning from them, so on and so forth. So. For me, I can get overwhelmed very easily. And I don't say that looking for sympathy or anything. It's just understanding who I am and how I'm wired. And so I think, you know, making sure that I'm in the right mental state to put out the best product and to put out the best episodes that we can is one of the biggest challenges for me. Because if I am in a bad mood or if I am down on everything, it shows through whether it's consciously or subconsciously, that sort of thing shows through. And people don't want to be around that, unfortunately. Like, people want you to be authentic, but if you're a Debbie Downer, people can only take so much of that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's kind of keeping my head above water, realizing the true goal at the end of the road instead of getting caught up in the minutia of, 
Instagram likes or podcast downloads or, you know, insert whatever fake metric that you want to insert, not letting those things bog me down and compound and build into this overwhelming dark cloud that is completely unnecessary and completely irrelevant. Yeah, I think that's really good. And I think, again, that's something that a lot of people can probably relate to. But on the positive side, what do you think is the most rewarding lesson that you've learned over these past 154 episodes? Oh, that's a tough one. But I think to me it is that there are people out there listening for the message that you are sharing. Whether it's one person or whether it's thousands of people, hopefully down the road, that's you know, that's the goal. There's people out there who understand what you're going through and understand the message that you're trying to convey and it's helpful for them. And so I think that's across the board. That That's even from listeners back to us. That's from us to listeners. That's just from people interacting within the community. There's everything that the more you're able to share your story and share where you come from and your experiences and what you're trying to accomplish, I think people connect with those things. And I was nervous at the beginning that it wouldn't resonate and it wouldn't connect with anybody. And I was dead wrong. Yeah. Well, I love that. So we're going to take a break here to hear a message from our partners, and then we'll be back for a modified version of the Fast Pass Round. This past month has been one of the busiest seasons in Catherine and I, my lives. That's a hard, it's hard to say that. <laughs> it's been very busy. I've been putting extra time at work. Catherine has been taking new responsibilities at school. And so the ability for us to have free time and to put more time into detour has been limited. So maximizing the time that we do have has been vital to be able to keep the ball rolling forward. Luckily, tools like Tailwind has helped us tremendously. We sit down at the beginning of the week and we schedule out all of our Instagram posts for the week. This helps with alleviating time throughout the week that we don't have to worry about it, but it also helps that when we sit down, we're able to do Monday through Sunday and share a clear message throughout. It's been really helpful for us, and it's really made a difference in our Instagram as well, despite the best efforts of the algorithm. So if you think that would be something that helps you and your project, you can head to detourtoneverland.com forward slash tailwind and sign up for a completely free trial. Try it out for Pinterest. Try it out for Instagram. No credit card required. Just test it out. See if it's something that helps with your project or if it's just more trouble than it's worth, then move on and try something else. But again, you can go to detourtoneverland.com forward slash tailwind or click the link in our show notes. Perfect. So we are back and we're going to do the fast pass round. But Brendan, I think just throughout our last episodes, we've answered these kind of here and there. So we're going to tweak them just a little bit to get a better insight into Brendan's Disney nerdness. So the first question I want to know, Brendan, if you could get on a plane and go to any Disney park tomorrow, where would you go and why? Is it just for one day? Uh, maybe like a long weekend. You have a long weekend trip. You can go anywhere. 
Where are you going? Disneyland. And why? I mean, I've been to Disneyland twice now. Once as a kid, once as an adult. There's just... It's it's the most magical spot I've ever been. And Magic Kingdom will always be like our home park in the place that we have the most memories. But as far as just like pure magic bang for your buck, I think <laughs> Disneyland has that. And for us especially, I think it's appealing because it's that mix between newness and nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And I just can't like get enough of that. I was going to say, I think the newness is definitely a big factor because it was different. Like we would get lost walking around because things are in different places and it's kind of fun, you know, to to be like a true tourist, but still have like that connection with it. Yeah, I remember commenting when we were there last time, like how fun is it to A, read a map if you want to, because we haven't read a map in years. Or even picked one up. Yeah. How fun was it to actually pick up a map and have to navigate somewhere or just walk aimlessly and not know what's around the next corner? Is there a character there? Is there, you know, some sort of streetmosphere going on? Like those sorts of things are awesome. Yes. Tokyo would be my second choice. Okay. But that long flight just for a weekend seems a little excessive. I agree. I agree. Um, So let's... Talk about the Fast Pass question. Has that changed at all for you with the new rides? What have I? What did I say before? I think it was probably Space Mountain. Yeah, probably. Would you change that? Um, I don't think so. I think it's still Space Mountain for me. I do really not enjoy the normal standby queue for Space Mountain. Mm-hmm. Like I will, ne- I have a really hard time waiting in that one, especially now that they took the games away. That you play on the screen, mm-hmm. it's it just leaves a lot to be desired for me. So fast passing that is pretty good. I mean, I don't know. Slinky Dog might be up there. Yeah, that's a good one, especially since that's an outside Q two in that Florida heat. I feel like that's always a nice one to be able to skip. Yeah. So Slinky Dog is up there. I mean, it's one of those. It's not overly thrilling. But when you ride that, I promise you, every single person in Slinky Dog is smiling ear to ear. It's just a fun attraction. Pure joy. I love it. But if it's just Disneyland, maybe it's the Incredicoaster? Mm, Yeah, that is one that I wish we could have rode more than once, for sure. So, which land or area brings you the most inspiration and I'm going to switch it up. I want you to tell me one for Disneyland and Disney World. So at Disneyland Resort, my my land is actually in DCA. Okay. It's Pixar Pier, which slightly edges out Cars Land for me. Just based on the fact that I like the movies more mm-hmm. in Pixar Pier. Cars has always been a good movie for me, but it's not something that I feel like an an overly strong connection to. Whereas Pixar Pier with The Incredibles, which I really like, and Toy Story, I mean, it's pretty solid for me. And just the nods to the other Pixar movies as well. Um, So Pixar Pier for Disneyland Resort 
Walt Disney World. Um, I think it might be Galaxy's Edge now. Oh, so it has that has changed because I think in the past you've said just like Main Street. Yeah, USA. I probably either said Main Street or Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, I think it's Galaxy's Edge now. Why is that? I think it's a level of immersion that for me, who grew up with Star Wars, like that's always been in my house, it's a level of immersion that I've never felt in a Disney park. We can have a whole different conversation about how it compares to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter Mm -hmm. down the street. But for me, in a Disney park, Galaxy's Edge is about as immersive as it gets. Um, so that things like that inspire me. They they make you think about things differently. You view things differently. And I just love the story that the land tells. Would it be nice to have them like pay more tribute to the old movies? Maybe. But I really buy into the story of like it's current with the movies. It's they make gentle nods to Darth Vader and Luke and in the old stories, but yeah, I think that's it for me. Okay, I like that. So with the food questions, because those are always our favorite, I'm interested in knowing if you could eat anywhere for your birthday, where would it be? You had one meal, you could choose wherever you wanted on Disney property, where would you go for your birthday meal? Ooh, that's a really good question. I'm torn between doing like a signature meal and doing like a really over-the-top magical meal. Okay, so let's say you get lunch and dinner. So I would probably say California Grill for one of them. Probably for dinner so you can see the fireworks. We've never been there. Mm-hmm. It's The menu I think is enough normal and enough like fancy that it would be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So that would be one of my answers. The other one, I don't know. That's tough. Probably Ohana. Yeah, that's a crowd pleaser. You can never beat Ohana. My only problem with Ohana is that I've never left there and not felt semi-miserable. <laughs> Just like disgustingly full. <laughs> it's so hard not to just stuff your face there like you can't they go make there and, it really easy you can't go in there thinking i'm gonna have a light lunch <laughs> like it's just impossible yeah so that's my only hesitation with that if it was like a quick service though it's probably satuli canteen still i think it's the best meal that you can get for quick service mm-hmm. so with snacks i kind of have a, a sense of what your favorite snack might be now but I'm going to ask for Disney World and Disneyland. So kind of dig into your memory bank since I know it's been like a year. But what are your favorite current snacks from both of those places? Um, in Disney World, I really, really enjoyed that pineapple upside down Dole Whip. Oh, that that's not what I expected you to say. What did you expect me to say? Green milk. Ooh. We were literally sitting on the couch yesterday two nights ago and brendan was like 
I, I want green milk. So if you're hesitant to try it, Brendan is a big endorser of it. I was actually craving it. Yeah. Which I didn't expect. I guess I don't view those as a snack. That's why I didn't think of that. Okay. Valid. Uh, um, but yeah, the pineapple upside down Dole Whip in Magic Kingdom was amazing. Yeah. Do you remember who told us to try that? I do not. Well, thanks to whoever suggested that. It was it was someone that we interviewed. I just can't remember off the top of my head who it was. Yeah. So but that was a good tip. And I liked that it was warm. I was worried that it wouldn't be warm. Mm-hmm. But it was. So it melted the Dole Whip a little bit and kind of made it into a sauce almost. <laughs> it was solid. In Disneyland, that is a very good question. We had the s'mores churro, which was very good. Yeah. We got that near the Redwood Trail and DCA, but that's only a Halloween treat. Um, beignets, probably. Mm. Yeah, you can't go wrong with a beignet. Uh, and surprisingly, we've never had them in Disney World. We've never made the trip over to the Port Orleans, not Riverside side. French Quarter. French Quarter side. No, we haven't. I don't know. I'm almost a little worried, too, honestly. You don't think they'll live up? Well, either they won't live up or we'll love them so much that it'll be... Like impossible to get them every time? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. Because we normally don't have a car, it's just difficult to make it to the resorts a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. So, the next one, um, I'll ask about your movie. So, if you got to pick one from each category... Well, we already know the Disney movie, so we won't do that. But Marvel, Pixar, and Star Wars, what are your favorites? Um, Star Wars is Return of the Jedi, which I don't think you've ever seen that one. Yeah, no, we're still, we're still working our way through, so we'll get there. Star Wars is Return of the Jedi. Honestly, The Force Awakens is up there for me. Is that the first of the new ones? Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. The purist will not enjoy that answer, but it's a very, very good movie. Mm -hmm. I have different opinions about The Last Jedi, but again, another topic for another day. Um, Marvel, uh, there's so many good ones that I really, really enjoy. But I think it's probably either Guardians of the Galaxy or Infinity War. I think. (laughs) Thor Ragnarok is up there as well for me. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Ant-Man is solid. It is hilarious. It was much better than I anticipated. I threw a lot of shade at Ant-Man for a long time. Well, now... See, Spider-Man Far From Home was... See, that's what I was almost expecting you to say, that one. Spider-Man Far From Home was incredible. That was actually really good. So, that one's up there. Pixar is still up for me. Toy Story's probably second. Mm-hmm. And Disney is still Peter Pan. Yes. So, the last question that I'm going to pick out from the Fast Pass round would be just just from this past trip that we just took with your family in October, what was your favorite 
memory from that just that singular trip when ellie met daisy elaborate for our listeners so we had no plans to meet daisy we had just met um donald in his mexican attire in the mexico pavilion and so i think that warmed her up a little bit to ducks (laughs) and so we were just walking back towards future world and chef daisy was there in her food and wine attire and you and i went and met daisy first she was a fantastic daisy very sassy so sassy sass for days e sass for daisy (laughs) (laughs) um and so it was a unique perspective because we kind of just met her and i could tell that ellie was right behind us like wanting to run up with us to meet daisy Mm -hmm. which we probably should have let her do but it was cuter on her own yeah she got her time so she just started like walking and running recently so she wants to running she wants to run everywhere so my brother and sister-in-law put her down and she ran straight to daisy and probably her new favorite thing is to yell hi she probably said hi 50 times and she was waving at her and pointing at things on uh daisy's apron it was one of the most excited I've ever seen her. And that's just an experience that we haven't had in a very long time going to Disney World with a kid. And especially a kid that we love so much. Yeah. That was really sweet. And I think that was probably... It was nice because your parents a lot of times um, would just like let us go off kind of like on our own and do our own thing with them because they would want to sit and relax um, but it was it it was really nice that there was a bench kind of right in front of the Daisy spot. So we were there, they were there to witness it, and then of course Jordan and Becca were there. So it was like the whole family got to witness her get so excited, and that was probably all of our top moment. I agree, and honestly, that whole trip, I think, further like solidified the bond that we have with Ellie. She does get excited to see us now. She recognizes us more. Yeah, I mean, obviously she knew who we were and we see her on a very regular basis. But spending a whole week with her and her seeing us every day, all day, I think really she got to know our personalities. We got to her know, got to know her personality more. So I loved it. I agree. 10 out of 10 would recommend going with a niece. <laughs> Um, so the very last question and what we'll kind of end our interview with is something that we are going to be implementing into our Monday Learn episode. So I'm going to throw it at you first, and this is definitely not something that you expected, but what is like one strategy that, you know, our listeners, maybe someone who has a project or wants to start a project, what is something that they could implement into their project today that you think would be beneficial? That is a good question. I'm glad we're asking this of our guests going forward, because I think taking those action items out of there is one of the most important things that you can do. For me, it's something, I don't know if this is like the end all be all, but it's something that 
I've been trying to do recently, and it's really helped with my psyche, and I think it's helped me to make deeper and stronger connections. And that is, on social media, be the best follower and cheerleader that you can be. So, I kind of got into a rut of, all right, I normally comment on these people's pictures and you know hopefully they do it in return and that boost engagement and like almost playing a numbers game about it but what it comes down to social media is about connections and I'd rather get 50 likes on a picture and spark some really great conversations out of there rather than get 300 likes on a picture and don't get any sort of interaction. It's just kind of a, a transaction that takes place, and then you move on. So to me, being a cheerleader and being people's biggest fans has been a really rewarding experience for me. So celebrating people's wins whenever they post something that exciting that has happened in their in their life or their project, or cheering someone on when they're down, or, or trying to give that little boost... I think has really changed my perspective on everything. Does it always come back to you? No. And that's perfectly fine. I think you shouldn't do something with the expectation that it's going to be a reciprocal. You do something because it's the right thing to do or it's going to help someone else or, or boost their day or boost their morale. And so that's kind of been my my sticking point lately. Yeah, I really like that. And I think that last part that you said is important too because if you still go into it like, oh, I'm going to be a good follower or a cheerleader or a, you know, morale booster, but you're still going into it thinking that, you know, they are going to reciprocate or you have that expectation, you know, that does open you up to potentially be disappointed. And, you know, you are losing ultimately the, you know, that reason why. So I think that's important just with anything, like even you said with just taking on a partner, having realistic expectations or in this case having no expectations is important to kind of remind yourself. So I think that's a great advice that someone could implement into their social media strategy. And it's been fun just talking to you and being the interviewer. And again, we'll be back on Wednesday to hear more about launching and growing your business. So we do hope that you can join us on Wednesday where we are going to start pulling out that practical information or key topics um, and maybe have some data to share too. Brendan loves data. So it'll be a fun transition for us and we do hope you can join us. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.